This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. The Steelers' offense has been fine. Let's also remember when we say, well, they scored 30 points. I mean, you know, seven came via the defense. And people talk about the 45, not to excuse the defense, 45 points against Jacksonville. Let's remember that 14, really you could say 17 of those points Jacksonville got were a byproduct of poor offensive play. So just don't use point totals. But they've been very good in the past game. The turnovers were a problem, certainly in Cleveland. But they've been very effective. I mean, nobody doubts that. And that shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. I mean, they put up 30 uh, on Tampa Bay. Well, amend, amend that. They put up 23, and one was set, three points were set up by a, an interception. But that's the way it's supposed to work, right? It's supposed to work hand in glove, defense gets you the ball, and once in a while gives you a short field if they don't outright score. The problem is the offense went to sleep in the second half. Now, was that a matter of conservative play calling? I don't know. I'm not complaining about the pass-to-run ratio. It is 2018. The NFL has changed now. It's a different world, different league. It's not even like it was 15 years ago when he gave the ball to Jerome or Willie Parker and said, okay, we'll do that. We'll play defense. Will tweets, are the Steelers too pass-happy? Good God, it's 2018. New Orleans has Alvin uh, Kamara, and they throw it more than the Steelers. No one's like, are the Saints too pass-happy? Modern NFL, you do whatever it takes to move the football and score points. There are no style points given or taken away. Uh, I mean, I agree with that, but I also think there are times when you need to run. I think there are times when you need to run to take the pressure off your quarterback and your pass game. I think there is a need to run when you are up 30 to 10 in the third quarter. And it's not that you're sitting on it. That doesn't mean you abandon the pass game. But if you're expecting pass, your run game ought to be fairly significant. And late in the fourth quarter, they were able to gain some yardage. But I'm saying as good as their pass game is, and I I understand that there were two replacements on the offensive line, I mean, I get that. And I realize that the run game wasn't terribly at the forefront in the Kansas City game because you're down 21-0. I would also question that if you're able to run the ball effectively, maybe you don't go three and out three consecutive times in the first quarter against Kansas City. You don't have to be as good running the ball as you do passing it, but that doesn't mean that you don't need to do it at times and do it effectively. Killing the clock, bad field. Let's remember, you know, even though the Steelers have played two games in in tough, tough conditions, conditions get a lot tougher in late November and December. And maybe throwing the ball is not going to be 
as viable as it is in September and October. Maybe that's old school. Maybe that's Neanderthal. I think you need to run the ball. I don't think you have to run it again as much as you do pass it, but I think you've got to be effective at it. And I would like to see the Steelers, at the very least, not in terms of volume of carries, but in their effectiveness. I think it's valuable. I think it will only help. And that's the tie-in. James Connors done a good job. But I think everybody would agree that he's not Le'Veon Bell. But I also think that people have to come to the understanding that there's not going to be any Le'Veon Bell in the near future. And as I offered the opinion on Monday, I think Le'Veon Bell's played his last game as a Steeler. The longer this goes on, and we're coming up to four games now, right? Maybe it's time to just understand what's going to happen. That doesn't mean you do anything now. I mean, the next move is up to Bell. The only thing the Steelers could do, and they won't, is say, okay, we'll pay you more. We'll pay you more than the 14 and a half of the prorated portion. You can do that. I hadn't, frankly, hadn't realized that up until a couple of weeks ago when we had Mike Florio on. And another team could do that if they wanted to work out a trade with the Steelers. Say, we'll pay you more. We'll pay the equivalent of the prorated portion of, I don't know, $17 million a year, whatever that ends up being. But the Steelers aren't going to make any moves. It's up to Bell. But here's the question. Let's say that Bell does show up, if only to get the games needed to accrue one season so he can become an unrestricted free agent at the end of 2018. I honestly believe that the Steelers would say, thanks, but no thanks, and rescind the tag, which then would make him a free agent. Now, that would probably pay him dividends in 2019, but I don't think it would pay him dividends. If he waits the last possible day, which is November 13th, so he can get his six weeks in, and he shows up and said, well, here I am. I'm ready to sign my franchise tag. But he's already let it be known that I want to make sure I protect myself for 2018. Don't try to run me too much. And Doofus Debo advised him to come in, sign, and then fake injury. Steelers don't want any part of that. And I got to tell you, if Bell would have shown up when he said he would, I think the locker room would have accepted him. But, I mean, if he shows up 8, 9, 10 games in, whatever it is, they're not going to be very accepting of that. They won't. And I think the organization, and I think they've already made up their mind, has said, we, <laughs> you're not worth the trouble. You're not worth a crappy third-round draft pick in 2020, no less. I think they'll let him go. And the other part of that is, let's say that happens. 
And there are six games to go. If he takes it to the limit and he signs, and the Steelers then work out a trade, remember, Bell has to sign. What team, unless every single one of their running backs has a broken leg, maybe even two of them each, is going to say, yeah, let's sign this guy at 850000 a week, although I think it's less of a concern, later it goes. But he's already said, no, I don't want, no that's too many carries. No, oh, my hamstring. I think he's limited his own market. Jonathan says if Bell shows up week 11 and signs, then the Steelers place him on roster exam for two weeks. Will he still be a free agent? No. That's why Bell will, if he signs, Bell will sign with that two-week roster exemption because, no, he does not get credit for an accrued season for those two roster exemption weeks. So what he would do is then he would report eight weeks before the end of the season, get the two weeks, and then he gets credit for six. So, no, he would not be a free agent. He does not get credit for those two exemption roster exemption weeks. Bob says if Bell shows up, he's going to take the next two weeks off to try to get into shape. Then putting him in a game, there's no assurance he's going to play his heart out and fight for yardage and catches. Um, they should cut the loss now. He's going to cause more drama this season that they need. That's But, but I, I would not cut him now. You're doing him a favor. Because at this point, Teams say, I, I can get 14 games, uh, well, not 14. I can get 12, 13 games out of them. 12, 11 if you sit them for a week. But if you're only going to get them for six, and again, there's the factor of, well, I don't, you know. Hey, if he listened to LeGarrette Blunt, he just might listen to James Harrison, Right. I think he's played his last down as a Steeler. I think it's better for all concerned if that indeed is the case. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Stan and Guy, hey, love the show, dude. That's absolutely right. It's Stan and Guy back together again. Here's Stan Saverin and Guy Junker. Other guys stepping up and playing well. Um, when other guys are making plays and making catches and be in the right spot. You don't feel like you have to give the ball to A.B. every time. All right, so Ben has lightened it up. We're kind of used to that. With that kind of offense, they probably ought to be more than 1-1-1, one, one, and one, but we all know the inherent problems with this team. It's time for a standing guy. Love the show. Guy Junker joins us. Um, you were down in uh, in Tampa. Uh now that you've had a few days to think about it, um, they needed to win badly, but is that exactly how they achieved it, badly? Yes, it is. And I know <laughs> you didn't need a few days to think about it. I mean, when you, At halftime, you had to be feeling pretty good. But that game last 10 more minutes, they were going to lose it. And thank God for the penalty on the punt returner, they would have lost it in regulation. Uh, the penalties, the suddenly uh, inconsistency of Chris Boswell, um, the lack of a running game. Now, way, I'm glad they made him pee into a cup. Right. Maybe they found something. something. I don't know. Well, I was thinking of that when you said that in the last hour. He would be the number one guy you'd think, hey, he might be on something. Now, <laughs> you know what? It's getting it's, around, it, obviously. But Yeah, it, it's funny you mention that because yesterday, uh, I, I, 
was at this place, and this guy said to me, he said, you know what's wrong with Chris Boswell? I said, no. He said, he's got that big fat wall that's causing him to lean to one side, <laughs> and it's ruining his kicking stroke. It's weird when confidence and kickers are kind of squirrely yeah. anyway. When you lose it, when, when it's going well, you can kick one from anywhere in any condition. When it's not, he needs to make a couple and get back on track, though. No, it, it, it is a little weird to me, and I guess it's because of the amount of money the two of them make, the way they continue to scorch their punter who had a great game. No matter what he does, they, they, they seem to question him, Mike Tomlin does, and yet no matter what Boswell does, he says, he's our kicker, he'll be all right. Well, how long do you go with him being all right? Well, I think that the, I think they're committed to him. I think, and not yeah, the contract is always a factor. But I think they saw enough of him to realize that you know he's not a flash in the pan. I don't know what's going on. You know, maybe it's the fact that um, you know the, the wet field in Cleveland. I mean, you know, I don't know. But then again, he missed a longer field goal on a dry field in Pittsburgh against Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, a forty-seven yarder is not a gimme any no, time. No, it's not. I, but the, extra not points. the extra points, right? That's what's weird and. Um, you know what's going to happen now, don't you? What? Tom, who loves to go for two-point conversions anyway, he's going to start doing it. He's going to start doing it. You know, I, I, and the other thing about kickers, I, I, most coaches don't know what the hell to do with them when they exactly. start having problems. Head coaches don't, and even special teams coaches. Special teams coaches aren't kicking experts. Uh, you know, they're special teams guys, whether it's kicking off, uh, returning. I mean, they got a lot of uh, – the best thing to do is get another kicker to talk to him a little bit or look to have him look at – I'm sure he's looked at some film to see if he's planting different, if something – else is going wrong but just in general with the whole team stand I, I don't think you can they didn't answer a lot of questions defensively I, I think you know they've they've now given up since Ryan Shazier got hurt and I always say that I hate reducing his situation to football statistics because uh, he's a great guy and you know I, I hope he's still able to come back and 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 play someday but um, they've allowed 29 points a game since and one of those was a game against Houston where they only allowed six so you think they throw that Houston game out of there, and they're allowing thirty-five points a game since he got hurt. He, you know, the major starter, a, a Pro Bowl type starter, that's probably going to solidify your middle for uh, ten years, and he's gone, and they haven't done anything to replace him. Uh, undoubtedly, what was surprising to me about that is that for three quarters they played really good defense. Uh, force, now, sometimes you force a turnover. That, of course, is good defense, uh, but it gets you off the field. So we, you know, that that's you know what kept the the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, at bay. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, I don't know what changed in the fourth quarter, but I also we know it's not the steel curtain. We know it's not the sixty minute men. But I also, so that I have to point a little bit of a finger at the offense um, in the second half. They did nothing at all. Their longest drive ended in the missed field goal. That wasn't the worst thing because they ate Which up I believe six was their only the possession clock. of the third quarter. Because when Tampa started the third quarter, Stan, they ate up half the quarter to kick that field goal. And, I and that's fine. And I leaned over to the person sitting in the press box and said, you can't be down 20 points and eat up half a quarter to get three points. You'll never come back all the way from that. And that was decent defense, even though they drove. So sure, sure, we're ahead right. 20 points. Um, but the Steelers' offense didn't help them out a great deal. Uh, and and that's why I came up with the premise, and I can come up with it. Um, hey, it's a pass league. You've got as good a weapons in the pass game as any team in the NFL. But to me, that doesn't mean there aren't times when you have to run the ball, you need to run the ball, and in the second half, that's one of those times. And they did get a At couple of end. big runs At late. Right, but there would have been other times, and the thing about the passing is you've got a 20-point lead. If you're running the ball effectively early in the second half, 
you're going to eat up a lot more of that clock. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's the killer. When the passing game's not working, you're giving them all that time with the football. And it's going to be November and December, and the winds are going to be whipping. It won't be as easy. I mean, they're very, I'm not saying that you change your offense. I'm saying don't forget about the run. It can, Especially with that prolific a passing game, it can be a tremendous weapon. And, you know, they're worried about the passing game. You can run. You can run on. If you can run on a team, you can do anything else you want. Right. And I think that if you look at what uh, – uh, they're too one-dimensional right now. They're, they're terrific at throwing the ball and moving the ball through the air, and that's it. The defense hasn't been good. The special teams hasn't been good. And the running game was good in Cleveland, and that was it. Uh, you know, uh, James Conner's not overall numbers. You'll get yards from scrimmage and everything else are good. Can he do that? Is is he strong enough to do that over a 16-game put on numbers like that? And you'd like to see a little more of that on the ground. Look, you can't take two starting offensive linemen out of there either and, right. and that not be somewhat of a factor. Uh, but I, I just think in the big picture of things right now, they still have a ton of stuff. Look, there are a couple of plays away. They could easily be three and zero, but they could easily be zero and three too. Yeah. Everything's been they're exact. They're exactly where they should be. One, one, and one. Right, vanilla down the middle. I asked Jerry Dulac this question yesterday, talking about the defense. Uh, it was not going to be a dominant defense. I thought it had a chance to be better than last year. Now I realize that's not saying much. But with this offense, the way the game is played in the NFL today, uh, a slight improvement uh, would be significant. Right. Because uh, the objective is is to win as a team overall. Now, you've seen him for three games. Um, I thought Hayden coming back made a huge difference. He Absolutely. totally took Deshaun Jackson out of the game. Do you still believe that, or maybe you never did, do you still believe this defense can be better? I think it can. I think the secondary's got to be healthier. I think it's got to come from the secondary. I don't think the group of linebackers is going to be great ever. I mean, they didn't do much to, you know, Bostick's a nice guy for adding some depth, uh, you know, and I, uh, he plays okay. Um, you yeah, know, he and, did have a good and, game. And Dupree had a pretty good game, yes, too. Not, not just because of the pick six. He just looked like, you know, he had taken the heat. and he had, but, but I don't think the linebacking core is ever going to be the strength of this team, and if they are going to get better, the guys up front are fine. The secondary's got to be better. Hayden did make a huge difference. Artie Burns has been, you know, maybe he, he said he's feeling pressure. He's feeling frustrated. Well, good. good. I mean, he needs to perform better. Um, I, I like Cody Sensabaugh before he came to Pittsburgh, but when you watch a guy play, you know, two games a year, he, he was a guy that I always watched and thought, this guy's pretty good. And when they got him, I was excited about it. But you see a lot more warts when you're watching every single play. So uh, they're shuffling those guys around in and out right now. And when, when they all get healthy – and with Hayden in there, I thought he did make a difference. I think that's if they're going to improve defensively, it's got to be with secondary play. By the way, we get word um, that Mike Hilton does have a hyperextended elbow. Mm. Um, he's wearing a brace. Um, he's going to try to practice later. That that sure sounds like he will not be available Sunday night. Right. And I mean, he forced two turnovers in the first two games, and he had two himself in the first half. That was uh, that was a big difference. Yeah, he's a value, very valuable guy. Uh, I, I you know I I. I can't get a handle on how I feel about this rotating the corner business. On the one hand, I mean, Artie Burns should not get the position if he stinks just because he's got a high pedigree. That, you know, this this is not, you're not earning a letter here. Um, you're, you're trying to win a championship, you know, and that's all well and good. Oh, you're a number one pick. Um, he's never really played like it, and he's regressed. So I don't think he should keep his position. He shouldn't be rewarded for that especially when his issues are, they keep saying, a lack of focus. My God, what more do you, you know, hey, Artie, it's your third year. 
you know what I mean? You understand why you're here. By the same token, it, it's like, I don't know the proper analogy guy. It's here, like, how about this? It's like the guys in New York with the peanut under the cup. So you're looking at one thing, not looking at it. it's it's sleight of hand. It's it, it, right. They're, they're they're not they're not they're trying not to expose any one of them too much, and I think to some extent it worked. I, I guess to a degree, but I'm I'm thinking long I'm thinking long term. I'm thinking is it better just to stick with one guy and say we need you to get better, and if you have to learn through your mistakes, so this is third year, you do it, or do you go with two mediocre? Uh, you know, you combine two mediocre things and. Pr- smush them together and hope you get decent. I mean, is that the best way to go? Well, I think the way me, he was Cody playing, Sensabaugh. he needed to be replaced. Sensabaugh. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, but but I think that it, it, there's some psychology involved there, too. I think they're hoping to get better out of Burns, and just letting him continue down a greased slide isn't the way to go. So maybe, hey, you know, we, we can take this job away from you, too, and maybe it will make him play better. Maybe he can play better. Maybe this is all, this is all the better he is. But well, I think that that I think that was part of and yeah you can't do this all season it won't work I think it worked a little bit for this game and maybe it'll get him you know off the snide a little bit maybe it won't well to me ninety eight pennies is never going to equal a dollar and you're trying to get to a dollar um, and especially with Joe Hayden back why in the world would any quarterback test him when you can go to two mediocre at best cornerbacks right. I and mean, that's what they are right now look. Cody Sensabaugh is a roster filler. And it goes back to a couple of years ago. I wish I, I, can't, I can't think of his name. He wore number 31, um, and they eventually got rid of him. He was a cornerback. He was from Duke. You remember the guy I'm talking about? He had that bad penalty in the yeah. Dallas game yeah. a couple of years ago. Um, I can't uh, think of his name. But, I mean, you know, he wasn't horrible, but he's not what you're looking for. And, you, you know, you find these guys and so on and so forth. Believe me, you're not going to pluck in at this juncture. You're not going to pluck any gems off the waiver wire. And if a team's got decent corner, people have talked about, well, they could, you know, Le'Veon Bell and they sign. Ross Cockrell. Ross Cockrell. You know, yeah. Those are the kinds of guys, unless you're really strong elsewhere in your secondary or you've got a ferocious pass rush, which they do not, then that's just another guy. I don't, I don't. I don't know what the answer is. If you're them, though, I mean, you know, maybe Edmonds develops uh, as a uh, as a first year guy. Maybe he's a whole lot better in November than he is in September, October. Um, you know, I, I, like and I, I know said, Davis is still adapting to being free safety, right? But I just that ro- I understand why they're rotating him. Uh, you just can't say Artie Burns. It's okay that you stink. You're a number one. You get to play. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason why he didn't get to play and didn't get to start is to send him a message. And, you know, the, I think it's still better. Mike Mitchell's not in there. I and mean, we still hear about that dollar defense all in training camp. I have yet, I have yet to notice seven run uh, defensive backs on the field at the same time. Are they going to try that at some point? Well, unless Burnett's healthy, I don't think they, they can. They can, right. Uh, and I, well, there's the other thing, too, with him being out. You know, and now I mean, Hilton is, is out. I don't know if they can. Right, and Hayden missed the game. So yeah. that's why I still think there's a chance for their defense to be better, but it has to come from there. I, they're not. They haven't replaced Shazier, and they're not going to. They're not going to. No, no and question. And that's not their fault. I mean, he's the t- kind of talent that you can't just replace overnight. Although the argument can be made, they could have been more active in trying to find someone like him. Not as, but well, but, I don't like the excuse. Stan, I looked that at it, the free agents this year. Th- there was nothing special no, there, and it's fine. And they didn't think they didn't think anything was special there where they drafted either. But but to say well if we even if we took a first rounder they wouldn't be ready to play this year anyway well that may be true 
But if you wait till next year or the year after, they won't be ready that year either. You're just pushing his replacement back another year. Jay Zier was ready to play as a rookie. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. One last thing before we get to Jim Tunney, the uh, former NFL referee, uh, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I'm now convinced, even with this new reporting that he didn't have to show up. That's the first I've heard of that. Uh, I just get the feeling the Steelers are really fed up. They don't want any part of them. I don't care if he said, okay, I'll play for free. I just think they, they want to wash their hands of the whole thing. And whatever he does, he does. And they're, they're not going to put up with, oh, good, we'll get a third-round draft choice in 2020. No, and I think that uh, you know there are, there are different ways of, of adhering to what the rules are set up by the union and the, the uh, uh, franchise tag stand. But I think when you – when you start, you know, showing pictures of jet skiing and at nightclubs and strip joints and everything, you're kind of rubbing rubbing their nose in the fact that you're not there and you're out there having a good time. Yep. Uh, and and it actually makes it if they do want to trade him, makes it even harder to trade. People don't know what kind of shape he's really in football wise. He's out there partying and having a good time. Uh, you know, what's a team? They're not going to get the value of what Le'Veon Bell is, no matter what. So I, unless they can get a team, my my thought is they would love to get a second-round pick. I think that's the best they could get, and I don't think they would take a fourth because they would get a third as a compensatory. If they just have yeah, to sit then, on it to get the third. I know, but then they gotta, they got to have them around you know, to do that. I'm just saying that I think I think Bell, now Harrison chimes in, I, I think teams are going to be reluctant to take a shot. We're going to get this guy, and he's not going to want to play because he's worried about getting hurt. I don't know that you can bring him back into that locker room. I, I agree. Those guys, I think, not not all of them, no, but I think a lot of them, especially the offensive line, maybe even Ben, uh, I, I don't think would accept him. And if he if he does come back, what if he does get hurt? Who now, after Harrison's comments, if he got hurt, unless you saw a bone sticking out of the skin, wouldn't be like, eh, yeah. what's up with him? Exactly. And I think it just, it, it's a can of worms. It now it, it, it's been opened and you can't close it back up. Better to just cut ties altogether. I, I think so too. With, with not, nothing And that's a shame because that takes, you know, once again, we thought there's going to be such a, I mean, that with, with him, I do think that the, they were a Super Bowl team, even with a weakened defense. Now, and now I think you just have to rely on Ben winning every game for you. And Antonio Brown and, you know, and their receivers and tight ends. All right. Um, or you can rely on getting eight roughing the passer calls, and you just march right down the field that way. That's the way the game seems to be going. Uh, have they gone too far? Jim Tunney was an NFL referee for a number of years, retired now. He'll talk about that coming up next. Jim Tunney with Stan and Guy. Love the show, Saverin on Sports, on your home of the Steelers, ESPN Pittsburgh. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Second down. Smith is Jets. Oh, my. And a penalty. It's on Matthews again, and he can't believe it. Personal foul. Roughing the passer. Defense number 52. It's a 15-yard penalty, automatic, first down. That's the third roughing the passer on Matthews this year. Well, Green Bay's Clay Matthews has become a poster boy, not because of his long hair and good looks, but for roughing the passer with a newly instituted rule in the NFL in 2018. He's got a lot of people talking, not just Clay Matthews, but we saw four of them uh, in the Steeler game. Uh, ben, by the way, yesterday admitted that uh, when he got hit in the head by JPP, um, he did some acting there. He's probably best supporting actor 
um, in, a, in a drama or comedy. Take your pick. We're joined now by, this brings me back to my youth, which is a long time ago, but this gentleman was an NFL referee and official for uh, a long time when I was a kid who fell in love with the NFL. He was an NFL official for 31 years. He officiated three Super Bowls. My pleasure to welcome in Jim Tunney. Jim, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Hey, Jim. Andrew, is it Stan? It is, Stan, and you're also yeah. with Guy. Thank you very much. Ben will not make it in the acting world. No. <laughs> Probably not. We've seen some of these things before. Uh, Jim, you've got a doctor. Is it okay we call you Jim, or should we call you Dr. Tunney? No, no. Jim is fine. Listen, when I was in Three River Stadium, there's a lot worse names. Than <laughs> <laughs> no, no doubt. I, I believe me. I shared that experience with you. As a matter of fact, um, Jim, we, everybody's talking about um, the, the the new. You can't land on the quarterback with your full uh, weight, and I think everybody does understand the need to a increase player safety and, in particular, protect quarterbacks. But as you've watched this thing play out. Is this a step too far? It is. It, uh, it's too bad. The, the competition committee, as you know, who makes the rules, and decided that uh, this would, would help. And it's really hard for uh, not necessarily Clay Masters, but any defensive lineman coming hard at the quarterback, being challenged by their defensive coach to get the quarterback to stop, stop him from, from throwing the ball, sacking him, the whole thing. To stop and, and now realize, well, let's see, I got him out, but I can't land on him. I've got to turn and land. That doesn't happen. That thinking process is not there. They're going after him, mostly by, by instinct. And they've gone a little too far in this, and how they correct it, maybe asking the referee who's responsible for the quarterback to ease up a little bit and, and make use some judgment on this. Right now, the referees have been doing what the rule book says this year, but we've got to make a change on that. Jim, do you think that when a new rule goes into effect, when you guys would have your meetings in the summer or whatever, I think we've seen this in hockey too or maybe even in baseball, that it's maybe called a little stricter to the law or, or, or officials are looking for it and then they back off a little bit once uh, once uh, you know it becomes a more normal part of the game? Yeah, perhaps. The other part, that it, it's difficult for an official to make that adjustment. And you go back 40 years when we did the uh, bump and run rule, you know, before that, they could knock the court. The receiver down any place beyond the five yards, and we came up with a bump and run rule. So, now, is it right five yards? Well, they said the officials would be a little lenient on it. Maybe it's five or six, okay? Is it four? You know, and, and so you've got just a nanosecond to make that, and that's what fans have to understand. That the officials get to see it one time. I have become a really good referee on my couch. I'm doing a great, <laughs> great job. I, I said, wait a minute, let me see that again. Oh, yeah, that was a foul. Yeah, well, the second time is fine, but the officials don't have that luxury and that's the first time. So I, I understand the, the safety of the quarterback. We let the quarterback out of the pocket. Aaron Rodgers went out of the pocket last year and threw the ball, got sacked. And this is probably one of the reasons that uh, um, Gave impetus to the rule. Yep. This when Aaron went down and and uh, some guy landed on top of him. It's really hard. And, you know, you're six foot eight. You're three hundred pounds, and you're running the the forty yard dash and four point six or something. And you hit a quarterback, and now you got oh, I can't land on him. You, you can't think that way. You just got to go after it and make it happen. I, I wrote a rule suggestion for several years that they'll never put in, but. I said, if you want to save the quarterback, let him make the decision. Let him throw the ball away any time he wants to. Let him stand in the pocket. As long as he throws it forward, 
not backwards or sideways, but throws it forward into the ground. Let, let him save himself that way. He doesn't want to do that. He loses it down. Now you lose it down in yardage, but, but just let him throw it away. But let him make that decision whether he wants to get sacked or not. So you're saying eliminate intentional grounding, the penalty for intentional grounding um, yeah. altogether, and that it would be in the pocket, outside the pocket, receiver in the area or not, that might save him a little bit. And he makes that decision. There was a rule we changed uh, again so 40 years ago. Jack Patera, who goes to Seattle Seahawks, yep. I was giving the rule talk there. And he said, we can't block with, with our arms holding onto our chest anymore. We've got to let them push, use their hands. I said, Jack, that's forward to this game. You can't block a guy by pushing him. You've got to keep your uh, hands to your chest. And he said, we can't block Lawrence Taylor like that. And you can't. You can't block Reggie White like that. You can't block J.J. White like that. You've got to use their hands. And now they use their hands any place they want to. Push, push, push. There's no blocking. There's pushing. And, and that's, that's the way the game has changed because the players are bigger, faster, stronger, and, and you've got to adjust to what the kind of players you're dealing with. The combination, Jim, too, of, of less practices with pads, uh, training camp, they get a day off now, they're mostly in shorts, uh, the, the OTAs. It, it, the players will tell you they don't practice tackling the way they once did, that plus the increase. I, I think – I don't want to just sound like an old guy, get those dogs off my lawn, but ta- tackling to me is almost at an, an all-time low in terms of technique, and uh, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. It's making it tough for defensive players to figure out what they can and can't do. That's true, and and years ago they would tackle like uh, when they came after Bradshaw, and, you know, grab him around the waist and pull him down, and, and then years ago we got into what I call Terminator football, run right through Bradshaw, just run right through and knock him down. And that's what we've got to everything now. That's where this defenseless player contact comes in. You know, how can you have a guy catch a ball in the air and turn and a defensive guy right there and have him not tackle him? He's got to tackle him. He can't wait till he gets on the ground. He's got to go after him as soon as he can. And when he does, sometimes that player catching the ball is defenseless, but that's what catching the ball is. If you don't want to catch it, don't do that. Let it go. But the, well, it's a difficult game and difficult to to adjudicate how many how difficult it is to uh, stop and and do go by the rule and not just play the game. You just got to play the game. You know, Jim. I Jim Tunney is our guest, an NFL referee, official for thirty one years, officiated three Super Bowls. Um, you can also, he's written books. Uh, just go to www.jimtunney.com or www, the Tunney side of sports. I like that, T-U-N-N-E-Y side of sports.com. Uh, Thank you. I write a weekly column on the Tunney side of sports and take issues in the world of sports and transform into positive messages that people can use for for everyday living is always something that happens in the world of sports that you can use in, in real, real life if you turn in the right from the negative to the positive. Uh, great. That's the, I advise everybody to you know check out both of those uh, both those websites and the books are available too. Um, I think everybody with half a brain, uh, which is what they're trying to do to save NFL players, applauds the helmet to helmet rules and that sort of thing. Um, this one, obviously, they want to protect quarterbacks because they believe they're the biggest stars. Uh, the NFL wants points to be scored. They think that that's a way to attract audience. Maybe in a time when there's a bit of declining interest, I think for other reasons. But in any event, um, 
the way it stands now, while applauding those attempts, you're not allowed to hit a quarterback at the knee. You can't touch him in the head. Can't horse collar him. Um, you can't horse collar. Um, this rule, though, Jim, would you say, uh, it, it strikes me, if a guy hits a quarterback, a defensive player hits a quarterback face up, and I don't mean in the face, I'm just talking about body on body, how can he not? I mean, the, the law of, of physics dictates, mandates, he's got to land on top of the quarterback. I mean, how, what's he supposed to do? <laughs> you got a great question. I like the, the sound of your voice escalating up to what they okay. do. <laughs> well, you know, we, we had the poor guy from the Dolphins, a defensive end, who just a couple of weeks ago was coming in, was aware of this new rule, and he planted and twisted after he hit the quarterback trying to not fall on him, tore his ACL out for the season. Yeah. But who cares about him? He's just a defensive lineman. Well, the defensive coach cares about yeah, him. Yeah, I know. He cares about exactly. him. Exactly. No, I, I, the helmet to helmet rule is an interesting one. If you next weekend, tonight we watch, or next weekend you watch, when a runner goes to get hit, he's running with the ball, he goes to get it. What's the first thing you do? He drops his head. He drops his head. You'll see it every time he drops his head. And a tackler coming in, going after the body, now has maybe the shoulder into the into the we say hit see what you hit drive your shoulder into the into the runner the head is the helmet to the side now the runner drops his head and it's head to head and they don't blame the runner they blame the defensive guy it's a difficult thing to officiate it's really hard because it happens so fast and whose head hit who who was the attacker whose head caused the problem and a lot of times it's a runner I've yet to see a runner called for targeting. So it doesn't happen that way, and they blame the defensive guy. It's difficult to officiate today, and maybe he's got to either let it go or, as somebody said, just put flags on the runners and go to the flag football. But that's not what NFL is all about. It's a physical game. There are people going to get hurt, and they know that, and they, 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 they take that chance going in. And the players that I've talked to, the guys that played when I did, they'd go back and play again in a heartbeat, even even though with the concussions and the CTEs and all that. And the, uh, I go to those NFL alumni meetings, uh, and everybody's on a cane or a walker or something, including me. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing for you, Jim, if we may, we appreciate your time here. Uh, you mentioned what a great referee you've become sitting on the couch uh, with the replays. Um, you know, there, there were various forms of replays, uh, you know, back in late 80s, early 90s, as I recall, about the time that, that you retired. But with the replay that we have today. Ultra high def, 9,000 foot long scoreboards. <laughs> all, I mean, yeah, I mean, in all kinds of camera angles that, you know, you could. You said get. there's other reasons for declining it. I mean, who. As a kid, when you're watching on a black and white TV with the picture flipping, I would much rather be sitting at home on my couch next to the fireplace now watching a 70 inch screen and sitting out in the snow. Uh, I guess so. Well, you're 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 you've got an old guy, you're cranky and crotchety. Um, but with with all the tools they have today, Jim, if if you could transport yourself back onto an NFL field, would you have liked to have refereed under that circumstance where now New York is making the call on replay? I started in, uh, in 1970, I started in 1976, we brought replay and people were against it. I said it's a good thing because officials want to get the play right, but they've taken replay to the point now where New York is making the call. 
I would disagree with that. It's a it's a game played by 22 players and seven officials on the field. Keep it on the field as all much as you can. I know there's a lot of those sideline catches with the two touches and the Lynn Swan and John Stallworth and those guys that did a great job with that. And now it's even even more so. And sometimes you got to go to replay to to be sure that it's right. But keep it on the field as much as you can. Don't send it to New York and let them make the decision. We can do that. We have a game like that. It's called Madden 18. Yeah. <laughs> and, and let it go. Let the officials make it. They're going to make mistakes. Look at the quarterback. When a quarterback throws a ball, three things happen and two were bad. Incomplete or interception. And the quarterback is making mistakes. Quarterback percentage, if they run 55 or 60 percent, they're doing good. You have an official who officiates, and his calls are 55 or 60 percent. He's gone next year. He's got to be 100 percent every time. He's not, and players are not. It's a game of errors, a game of a few mistakes. Let it be that way. That's what the game is all about. Uh, great advice uh, from a guy who has been there and done that. Jim Tunney, make sure you check him out, www.jimtunney, that's T-U-N-N-E-Y.com, or www.tunneysideofsports.com. Mr. Tunney, Dr. Tunney, Jim Tunney, thank you so much for being here. I I remember you uh, from all those years. Um, uh, I'm not that much younger than you, but um, uh, growing up watching the NFL and and just falling in love with it, and uh, you're one of the names that I remember, you and Tommy Bell and guys from that era. Thank you, Stan. Nice to be with you. Anytime I can be of of help, uh, please don't hesitate. You Absolutely. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. There goes Jim Tunney. Yeah, interesting. Uh, it's so rare to get to talk to an official. Yeah, that, that I've always found them or an umpire. But I think it's interesting. Yeah, it's you know it's it, it's funny. I um, I'm in favor of replay. Uh, obviously, when you put it in, you say, okay, none of these calls will take longer than ninety seconds. That's where it gets irritating. Right. But I. Uh, you know, and I'll be honest. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. No longer. I'm not sitting out in the snow and the cold. And I get right. it. Right. But I. I. Um, as long as if they were to hold to the parameter of this is going to take 90 seconds or even a baseball replay, um, we're going to look at it, and it's pretty obvious. Why does it need to? I mean, how many looks do you need? That's my only objection. But conceptually, I. I'm in favor of replay. I always have been. 